0: Hello, and welcome to Mission Dharma and Howard Cohn's Dharma Talk for September 15th, 2015. Before Howie gets started, we do want to apologize for the audio quality that you'll be hearing. We had issues with the microphone that evening. However, Howie incorporated into his talk, and it all worked out for the best. (laughs) Tonight, uh, in spite of the, the ebb and flow of the sound vibration, these are sent from beyond. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Regardless of the sound vibrations or maybe because of them, I um I decided to to invite in my mind I made a resolution three times for the deepest understanding I had I have of the Dharma, of the teachings of the truth, of the way things are, the deepest understanding to arise uh, while I'm sitting. So that I aimed my mind at at the at my consciousness to to remind me or to arouse in me whatever the deepest understanding was. And maybe the, the deepest understanding did not necessarily come to visit, but what, what it did do <laughs> is, that it, um, is that for at least the time after, that I, after I made those resolutions, there was, a I, I would call, a deep letting go of any kind of doing, any kind of attempt to manufacture any particular experience. And my mind settled into a, into a, a state of, of quietude. Uh, and I, for that time, for whatever reason, for whatever conditions, my mind was not in a state of seeking. It wasn't wanting something. It wasn't rejecting something. It was temporarily free of what are sometimes called the defilements, or sometimes in the Pali word the word is kilesa. There was a uh, quieting of the the what are sometimes called the five hindrances. Again, I just spoke of I, there was no desire for something that was not present, and there was no aversion to something that was present. There was no restlessness or agitation or worry or guilt. There was no sloth and torpor or dullness and there was no doubt or confusion or uncertainty in my mind. There was simply this state of of calm you could say, peace. And this, um, this quality of mind, this quality of peace, harmony, not seeking anything, not needing to alter anything, is, the, is one of the, the fruits of meditation practice. And the Buddha talked about being able to develop this quality of mind so that, it, um, so that in a very profound way... Our mind becomes concentrated uh, in real time, concentrated in the present. And, and the, the defilements of mind, the common states of mind that torment us in our life, uh, come to a place of, of quiescence. This quiescence it does not necessarily uproot the latent tendencies of mind, but for the time that our mind is well collected and composed in the living present—the only place where we live—while our mind is composed in this way, we are, um, we are, we can experience uh, what the Buddha called an unmixed happiness, a sense of well-being. And so there are two levels of of defilements, two levels of suffering that are are not active when we have a well-developed and collected mind. Both the acting out of things that cause us and other suffering, which means we don't jump out at someone, and we don't even in those moments feel even the mental impulse to lurch at something or grab something or... Or feel uh, or feel guilty about something or, or uh, ruminate about something. Both the acting out and the mental tendencies of mind at that time are in quiescence. And our mind is in a state of, um, of you could say concentration on the present, but what makes it different than some other state of concentration when we're in the flow of a work project or in the in doing some kind of athletic thing in a very in a very concentrated way what's different here is the concentration is on an elevated state of mind it's literally the the consciousness is not just directed toward an activity; it's directed toward itself, toward awakening the consciousness itself, and this is called samadhi. So, samadhi is different than concentration. Concentration is concentration. Samadhi is when that concentration is is actually focused on. Uh, an elevated state of mind on pacifying the tendencies of mind that torment us this kind of happiness that we can all cultivate this samadhi is it's so close to us in fact our innate nature is this samadhi as i said my all i did for a moment was i stopped i stopped fighting with the sound i stopped <laughs> I stopped trying to make something happen. I just said, may the, my, the highest understanding of the Dharma come. That was, those are just words that help me be more receptive to what's always already here. And my mind just kind of at that time settled. But it settled because there's been a lot of time in my life that I've spent brushing the dust of memory. I've spent a lot of time orienting myself to being conscious of what's happening in the living present. The effect of doing that over and over is is that path has been smoothed, and so there's a a little bit more anyway, and so there's a um, there's an access that that um, an easier access, and it's simply because uh, I've done a little bit training, I've done a little more training, and it is it's just. Uh, common knowledge, at least in, for those who who are um, interested in these kinds of matters of awakening our consciousness, is that an untrained mind is the number one cause of misery. And a trained mind is the number one cause of happiness. It's that simple. I think I even brought it along the Buddha's dis- yeah, here. I know of no other single thing so conducive to misery as this uncultivated, untrained mind. I know of no other single thing so conducive to well-being as this cultivated and well-trained mind. So we have to consider, if you have not taken on the intention, the passion toward training your heart. We have to look at what happens to an untrained mind. I think of the words of Sogyal Rinpoche, where he says that, um, that the way that we are wired is that we, we are in a constant state of greed. In fact, our consumer culture needs to keep us greedy to keep going. A constant state of pursuit, of, the, of sense pleasures. And he says this has created uh, an, imp- an impregnable environment of addiction in and around us that just keeps n- being nurtured with cons- this consumer machine that needs to keep us in that state of addictive behavior. So we, one of the ways that addiction, I was thinking of, of so many people who've come to me over the years and talked about uh, their uh, sexual addictions, there are alcoholic addictions, their drug addictions, their are, there are uh, computer addictions, their are smartphone addictions. It doesn't even matter what the addiction is, but that addiction, that addiction, whatever that object is of that, that we are using to seek happiness, leaves in its wake each time we do it this tiny little feeling of pleasure, and then it just keeps, keeps adding and compounding the, um, keeps adding and compounding <laughs> the desire for more. And whatever your version of addiction, and I think everyone has one version or another, you'll see that our mind gets into a a mistaken perception that satisfying my particular desire, whatever that is, will bring relief and because of the lack of the the central core of this, because of the lack of wisdom, because of ignorance, we just keep going around and around and around and around, thinking that whatever that addiction is, uh, whatever that pleasure is, whatever that experience is that we're seeking, will give relief. But it just increases the unhappiness. The very thing that we take to as medicine for our upset. Actually, increases the dis ease So what we find then is that so much of our mind activity is a state of seeking. Hafez put it this way: Learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that may buy you just a moment of pleasure but then drag you for days like a broken man behind a farting camel <laughs> so how can we deal with this with this tendency toward addiction Toward mental formations that continually create in us a state of agitation, dissatisfaction, unsatisfactoriness, a feeling of tension, a a constant feeling of being in a state of suspended happiness and then getting little dandruffs worth of relief and then feeding it. What do we do about that? The Buddha recommended that you... Get to the bottom of it. The bottom of, the bottom of it begins by, by not just uh, not just um, suppression or renouncing the, the causes of suffering and not doing something. It said, train your attention to abide in the present moment. Gather your attention. Use your scattered mind at least first before you do anything, before you can root out the deep cause of this tendency toward addiction. First, gather your attention. You have attention. You have within you the capacity. You have awareness. It's given, life given. Some would say God-given, divine-given. You have consciousness. But it is so untrained. It is so scattered. It is so filled with thoughts that are going this way and that. Blown by the winds of every circumstance. Blown so reactive automatically to the buzzing sound. This is just the result of an untrained mind. And then we don't actually know how to find release, relief, except by dulling ourselves out, by shutting down. So the Buddha's idea was: don't hide yourself away in fear and dullness, shut down, but learn how to how to create a sense of stability, an inner stability, and then let it all in. But we can't let it all in yet. First, we have to have the stability. First, we have to calm our body and calm our mind. And how do we do that? We direct our attention. We take our scattered mind, and just for one moment, we direct it to something. Aware that we're doing it, we direct it at something. The most common thing that we direct it to is to to our breath. But the Buddha recommended that you could direct your attention on any number of things it could be on a on the feeling of the earth you could take a little piece of clay and focus on it you could focus on a light fire el- or the you know the fire element the a flame as a symbolic representation you could focus on even reflect focus your attention completely on the fact of dying you could focus on the different parts of the body. Anything you focus on, you could, you could develop the power of mind. But most common for, for us worldlings who are so busy with our micro-tasking and filling up every possible moment with something that will keep us from feeling blown by the world but all the while increasing our tension for us we need to go go back to our nature back to the dharma which is nature so we need to put our mind in our body and our body in our mind so the first easy object of our attention is the breath as we gather our attention to the breath you do it again and again you'll slowly it's inevitable you'll slowly feel the dust settle. And when the dust settles a little bit, you will, you'll experience, just for a moment at first, a little contentment. And you think you've actually created it. But all you've done is you've pacified a little bit the tendency of the mind to look for contentment elsewhere. And you've awakened in yourself... An unconditional quality that's that's there for you. It's in us contentment, but we are usually so addicted to stimulation that at first it would seem that you might even feel bored. That's actually a very high sign. That's a deep, it's a deep uh, experience if you have a moment of boredom. Any of you ever feel bored? How many of you just, it's, so good, it's such good news. If you could just turn toward that experience of boredom and just feel bored for a moment, you'd see that boredom is a gateway to contentment, to peace. And unobserved, it just tends to stimulate more addictive, compulsive behavior. So homework for the next month any time there's a moment of boredom, be the first one to die of boredom. Just die to it. Just feel it. Study it. Study every every element of boredom. You will notice after a while, once you put attention on boredom, you shine that light on it, you'll see that, that there's nothing back there. It's empty. It was a mood. It was a weather front that leaves no trace, except what, what, what it was hiding, which is the natural peace and ease that is the natural peace and ease of your own nature. But what we do is we keep gathering. We keep sustaining. We gather and sustain. Gather and sustain. We hit that gong again and again, and then we feel the reverberations of it. We hit the gong and feel the reverberations. That's kind of analogous to gathering our attention and just staying with that experience of being present for as long as it lasts. No strain, no tension, just gentle gathering, gentle sustaining. You could do it on your way to work every day. There was somebody in this room, maybe she's here tonight, maybe not, who's now she walks to work every day she 's now doing walking meditation on the way to work and she's reported that she didn't well at least i'm i'm maybe making up what she thought but but I think she mentioned that she just noticed how much her mind wanted to go elsewhere the first insight is how untrained your mind is so it will seem like you're worse as as um Guner or as um, Francois Fanelon said, as light increases, and that what we're applying is the light of attention. As light increases, we see ourselves to be worse than we thought. We're amazed at our former blindness as we see issuing forth from the depths of our heart a whole swarm of shameful thoughts and feelings like filthy reptiles crawling from a hidden cave. We never could have believed that we had harbored such things and we stand aghast as we watch them gradually appear. But we must neither be amazed nor disheartened. We are not worse than we were, on the contrary, we are better. But while our faults diminish, the light by which we see them waxes brighter and we are filled with horror. Bear in mind for your comfort that we only perceive our malady when the the cure begins. So this is actually good news, too, when you see how scattered your mind is. And each moment that you notice that your mind is, has been scattered, that's a moment of present attention. And so we just keep gathering and sustaining. And there will be, from time to time, after you have done this again and again, with your breath while you're sitting, with your steps while you're walking, with your meal while you're eating, with your washing while you're washing, you will experience a coming together of your mind, a gathering of your mind. You will begin to experience a great sense of comfort and pleasure at being in the present moment. You'll experience a kind of exhilaration at being present. This is called rapture. And you will experience a sense of your mind effortlessly remaining still and present regardless of what's presenting itself. That's what we call samadhi. A mind that is collected, composed, a body suffused with a feeling of of peace and comfort, exhilaration, and a a steadiness and an immovability. This is completely within our capacity, every one of us. And the pleasure of that far exceeds those little dandruff experiences that we are so addicted to that just bring us misery. Those counterfeit coins that buy us just a moment of pleasure, but then drag us for days on end behind a (laughs) you-know-what. You have within you, as Hafez would say, you have the friend. The friend is attention. If you embrace this habit of gathering your attention and sustaining it, your mind will become well-developed. You will experience, you will know that we have, (laughs) just, there's so much going on tonight. (laughs) You will know that you have a capacity, a capacity for, um, to be, Still, right in the, in the middle of it all, that you can uh, that you can be at peace. If you do this over and over again, and you you really want to train this capacity to connect and sustain with some with the life of the present moment, for example, the breath. Or the feeling of love, or the feeling of caring, or the feeling of joy, or the feeling of balance. If you want to, if you keep returning again and again to this, we each have a capacity to experience actually a deep state of absorption in these, in a mind that is completely free of. Any kind of addiction. There are these absorptions. I thought I'd just talk a little bit about them. You know, it may seem a little odd just coming from work when I'm talking about meditative absorptions. But I know people in their daily life who've trained their minds who became so passionate about this that they trained their minds to enter into these states of absorption in daily life and it turns out that if you keep doing this gathering and sustaining of attention just keep hitting the gong and then just staying with the sound until it fades we have a saint on the soundboard tonight who keeps adjusting the sound every time that buzzing starts so that we can make it through this talk. So everybody should thank Tim for even making it partially bearable tonight. Thank you, Tim. If you develop this, this collectedness of mind, there are, whoa, there are eight kinds of absorptions that the mind can enter into. Why would you you want your mind to enter these eight kinds of absorptions? Because each one of these absorptions smooths the the mind, it clears the mind, it clarifies our awareness, it brushes the dust of memory and so that the, the capacity that we have to be crystalline mirror like is laid bare and finally that crystalline mirror like mind is able to see deeply into not just and not just suppress or quiet the torments of our mind not just to keep us from acting out the torments of mind but to strike right at the root of what gives rise to the torments of the mind which is ignorance to see deeply into the nature of reality and to kind of unravel the tangle of our confusion and misperceptions and to liberate our hearts from from suffering. So that's the ultimate direction but the process of developing our mind in this way Keeps, continue it helps us uh, smooth the path, clear our mind, so that we can see deeply into our nature. So just to give you a little bit more hit on these absorptions, the first of the absor- absorptions, it's called the they're called jhanas. Jhana means absorption, states of concentration. And I partly talk about this just to remind us all that we have a capacity that we're not just stuck in this kind of flywheel of confusion and neurosis so the first absorption is the coming together of this of the the effect of this gathering and sustaining three qualities three qualities gather together with the, with the aiming of our mind and the sustaining of our mind the three qualities I just described comfort or happiness it's called sukha next one is called pity or rapture the, th- the last one is called ekagata or one pointedness when these five come together these five qualities of gathering sustaining, comfort exhilaration or rapture and one-pointedness come together, it, we begin to feel that being... Be, we feel ourselves held in a, in a state of complete... Um, in complete one-pointedness, no shadow of any kind of, of hindrance in our mind. But this is a gross level of concentration, believe it or not. Very subtle compared to our normal kind of concentration, but a little bit gross. And what makes it gross, This may, you may not find this interesting, but I do. What makes it gross is that this, the energy of gathering and sustaining is kind of, it, it, there's a lot of, it, it's just not smooth, it's not refined. This kind of movement of our mind, gathering and sustaining. When you move on to the second jhana, The second absorption state, this quality of gathering and sustaining, falls away. And what are the characteristics of the second absorption state, a more refined absorption state, are just the qualities of comfort, of exhilaration, and one-pointedness. Very smooth, delightful, comfortable, really joyous, so happy. But still, there's still refinement. So one then lets that extremely pleasurable state dissolve. And then that gives way to the next absorption state, which is called the third jhana. The third jhana is even more refined in that the quality of exhilaration, which is a little bit, can be a slightly jangling, the quality of exhilaration falls away and there's just, just comfort or happiness and one-pointedness. Very smooth. Just sublime. And this is just our own mind. Freed of, freed of... A dependency on being exhilarated, even freed of being in rapture. And then finally, that jhana or that state gives way to what's called the fourth jhana. The fourth jhana, the quality of comfort, happiness, falls away. And what's left is, the, is uh, a quality of neutrality and one-pointedness and the feeling, the characteristic of equanimity of complete balance and non-reactivity no longer dependent on comfort so one in this last jhana in this last state of absorption of the, what are called the rupa jhanas the jhanas that are, that are connected to the body The qualities necessary, the qualities that are helpful in our life to help us tolerate the joys and the sorrows and meet our life with more balance, they, it becomes nurtured, becomes, They become strong. The quality that allows us to then look deeply into our nature without our mind moving so much, without it seeking pleasure or exhilaration. It requires our heart and mind to be very balanced and open. If we really want to strike at the root of what makes us be so compulsive in our constant running from peace. Is anybody, are you interested in this? Would you like to have a little taste of this? It's possible. It's not just for great yogis in caves. It's just a matter of giving yourself for some time in the span of your life to developing your capacity to experience concentration in this way. So let's see. I'll just say very briefly, there are four more kinds of absorption states. But they are they are called formless jhanas. So one of them is is the mind concentrating on infinite space, on on nothingness, on not on beyond perception and non-perception. These these complete vast states of mind. All of the while, what this does is it smooths our understanding. It it purifies our heart and mind, so that when we then apply the our attention to the flow of experience where we actually look at what's going on we look in a completely unbiased way and if you can see life in a very unbiased way you will come to understand what will you understand you'll understand that everything in this universe everything that is arising passes away and everything that arises and passes away is in and of itself, any experience is unreliable, and if you try to hold on to it, you will suffer. Clinging brings suffering, and anything that arises and vanishes—everything does—is um, is whatever it is that arises and passes—is not. It is not possible that it can be me, my, or mine. It is not me. Everything that arises and passes is fundamentally empty of self. When we see this about our own nature, we see through the illusion of self, we see through the illusion of other, and we find that we're just all here together. We're not as separate, apart from each other, as we imagine. If you see deeply into your nature, you uproot the causes of suffering. You end your anxiety. You end your fear. You end all the causes that keep you on that flywheel of addiction. So, Of course, the Buddha's suggestion is aim for that highest happiness to see through the illusion, to liberate your heart from confusion. And if you do aim for the highest happiness, all the other kinds of pleasures of this world will be available to you and will come to you. But you will not cling. You won't be addicted anymore. That's why we practice. That's one reason why we practice. It's not just a little self-help. It's not just a little relaxation. Although the way this practice is fulfilled is just a moment at a time, a little bit at a time. But do a little bit of a time, a lot. And you'll have a lot of peace. As Ajahn Chah says, if you if you do a little bit at a time, you'll have a little peace. A lot, you'll have a lot of peace. And if you let go completely into the immediacy of life, you'll have complete peace and freedom. Your struggles, fight with the world will come to an end. So maybe you found this interesting, maybe you didn't, but may you all have deep samadhi and, if nothing more, sweet dreams tonight. And thank you for your generosity, thank you for your practice, and hopefully I'll see you next week and we'll, be, we'll maybe speak on more earthy terms next week. Thank you.